Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hey. Dave. What's up? And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start with good things. So, Craig, good thing? Well, it's debatable. Um, so I posted in our good things uh, channel in our Discord. Uh, just as a side note, if you guys are interested in joining our Discord, you may go to patreon.com slash CosmereCast, which is our Patreon, and there is a link to our Discord. No need to donate, although your donations are welcome. Um, but you can come join our Discord and talk about a lot of stuff. We have a lot of different channels. We talk about good things and other things. Also, our, our Discord's a good thing, guys. Um, but I posted a thing about Sudoku. Now, I'm going to speak directly to Dave, because I think you will like this, Dave. So, I know you stated you don't like Sudoku, which is a good point. Because, in my <laughs> opinion... No, no, in my well, opinion... Well said. <laughs> Sudoku is sort of boring a little bit, right? Like, you get a bunch of numbers, and there's there's a little bit of deduction, but it sort of, like, feels samey after a while. There's only a couple techniques that you can really use to solve the puzzle, and it goes by quick and everything. Yeah, the my main I beef with it, Sudoku is that they, they range from either trivial to not range. It's not, the problem is that it's not a range. It's like, I either... In my experience, it's either trivial or I have to brute force for an hour, which yeah, yeah. maybe it's because I'm not good at them that I'm brute forcing them more than I really am supposed to be. But No, so. I have the same experience. Like, if I get a book of Sudoku puzzles, I'll breeze through all the beginner and most of the intermediate ones. But then you get to the hard ones and, like, it's just time to throw the book away. Yeah, so it's, it's not fun to just have to brute force, right? Like, that's... You mm. want to be able to make deductions. Like, that's the interest. To me, yeah, like a, thing about like a nonogram game. And also, in certain cases with Sudoku, is when you can infer certain things, you can make deductions. When you have to brute force, something went wrong. Or if you have to go into deep hypotheticals, then it's that, in my opinion, is a poor puzzle design. Like, oh, I have to go into a hypothetical, like, 20 stages deep to disprove one tile by contradiction, right? So, since this is a good thing, I want to point you guys towards this channel, Cracking the Cryptic, who does... Okay, they do Sudoku-type puzzles, but the nice thing is that they designed rules in addition to the normal Sudoku for their puzzles. So rather than just giving you a bunch of numbers, they have certain patterns and with rules attached to the patterns that will help you deduce certain things about the puzzle. So it gives you more tools for the toolkit, which, in my opinion, makes it so much better so if you understand how to do sudoku you can get started but all of these structures help you determine different things about the puzzle which is what i like and and i know dave you're particularly into puzzle type games um mm -hmm. which is why i think you might be interested in this so i just pulled up a video and even even if you don't want to solve the puzzle you can watch the video to see how this guy solves it and you can learn different how some of these tools can actually work, which I think is pretty neat. And I've sort of mm. been addicted for the past week. Just uh, I'll pull up a video. I'll pull up the puzzle. I'll try to do the puzzle first. Maybe I'll click through the video if I like miss something like, OK, I don't know what the next step is. And he can point out, hey, there's this thing you can do. 
based on these numbers. I'm like, or what the structure, whatever it is. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And I learn how to do different things. And it's it's a lot of fun, actually. Um, mm. Well, I recommend it. I mean, it just in general, even if you don't do this, like just doing some kind of logical puzzle thing a day is actually really good for your brain. So in general, it's a good thing. But I've been I say check doing... this out. I've been going ham on crossword puzzles on my phone, and mm, yeah. they're starting to get repetitive, um, but still fun. But and then like you know, you learn stuff as you go, and you learn common words. But it's I I'm kind of it's kind of interesting that you get better at crossword puzzles by doing them just by like ah, oh, I know this is ecru. Because I feel like there's this is a shade of brown ecru easy. There's language. <laughs> there's a certain like technique to crossword puzzles that you probably pick up. I see you and your brother talking about it. I'm like. I have no clue. You guys are in the world of your own. Um, but it, like, I know you've you've done the what is it? Cross me. It's the pick cross, pick cross. That's the one. like that's the same sort of thing. Like it's a puzzle, but the toolkit's very small. At least with with pick cross, you don't have to brute force, which again is probably a problem. Yeah, if a pick cross is well designed, you shouldn't have to brute force or enter hypotheticals to solve them. So I recommend giving some of these puzzles a try because brute force. Well I think I think I had to go off on a hypothetical maybe for a couple puzzles where it's like what if i do this and then i see why it's wrong and i think that's more of a fault on me where i miss something like the structure means something and i didn't quite understand it so i had to do the hypothetical to see why it doesn't work um but in general these structures are really well designed like it the puzzles are designed so you step through them and you will eventually get to the end it's going to be hard at first you're probably going to have to watch this guy's videos to learn it if you are really interested, but I mean, it's been a lot of fun. I'm I'm addicted. Nice. If you say it's a distinct enough experience from a normal Sudoku, I'll check it out. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I have the one that I the video I posted. Uh, the first one I think was was really good. Plus, it has Ned Flanders on the on the cover of the the puzzle, so it's got to be good. I think that's a good like. It, there's a lot of rules, but they work really well together. Like once you you understand what. The puzzle is telling you like everything falls into place. I really like that one. The second one I posted is a little more straightforward because it only has two new structures. If you're not used to having all of the these different things, new rules that you have to deal with, that one's a little easier. But uh, I just like the first one a lot. Okay, I'm done. Move on. All right, Dave. Thing good one. Yeah, uh, my good thing this week is a game called The Messenger. So let me tell you everything I possibly can about the messenger. Um, it you're a ninja. It's a it's a retro style platform game. You take the role of a ninja and you have to take a scroll to the top of a mountain. Uh, the movement mechanics are really fun and it has great music. That's all. Like if I say anything else about the game, it's a spoiler. So I just I highly recommend it. Go check it out. Uh, if it goes on on sale on Steam pretty often for probably about ten bucks. Uh, it is definitely worth worth ten bucks. Um, I would recommend not watching any reviews or even the trailer for the game. <laughs> really? You're gonna because you will be spoiled. Like a pure, I don't know anything about this other than I'm a ninja with a scroll. Just jump in, play it, and as good as it starts off, it gets even better as you play it more. So that's. Can't really go into details, unfortunately, but uh, I've had a fantastic experience uh, with the game over the past week or two, and I've been jamming to the music lately. So, uh, all right. Uh, what platforms is it available on? It is 
on Steam and probably more, probably everything, one of those like indie games. Um, I also just finished highlighting my uh, playthrough VODs on Twitch. So if anybody's interested in, like, you know, anybody that's played the game or really just has no interest in playing games uh, wants to see my take on it and my pure first experience with it, I can post the playlist of my Twitch VODs here as well. And your Twitch channel is? Twitch.tv slash cross products. Like the math function, one word, cross product. Excellent. All right. Uh, so and my good thing is my this... collections there. So if I don't like it, you can find it on my page. Sorry. As well as my reading of the ending of uh, some book that you might have heard of called Brandon's book. I, yes. I would read the Brandon book. Good old I Brandon really book. Like. Someone should do a podcast about Brandon book. All right. Uh, so yeah, nobody would ever listen to that. I mean, as as a rough percentage of people who exist, no one does listen to this. Statistically speaking, all our listeners, no one. No, he's saying that the population of the universe is zero. I'll let Douglas Adams. Mm, True. Uh, All right. So my good thing this week, and I don't normally do this, uh, but this I feel is a special enough case that it it deserves uh, it deserves an on episode shout out. Uh, We got a new patron uh, about a week and a half ago, and I meant to bring it up last week, but I forgot. I I have told Craig and Tori, I wonder if this is going to be a surprise to Dave. Uh, Tori, who's our new patron? I think you said it was Dave's mom. It is Dave's mom. (laughs) Um, Actually, my brother brother mentioned that, but I didn't hear that from you guys. (laughs) How did you know it was my mom? Uh, Because I thought it was, like, your brother had asked me about, um, like, there's no link to the Patreon on our, or there wasn't a link to the Patreon on our Discord. I fixed that after he brought it up. And then we got I'm a new patron who Wait. shares your same last name. And I assumed that it was actually your brother and maybe like his wife had a Patreon account and he was like logged in through her. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I asked him about it and like, well, who is this person then? It's like, oh, that's my mom. Like, Okay. That that explains things. So thanks, Dave's mom. I don't think you're a listener yet, <laughs> but maybe you will be someday. Uh, she has read all of the books I've given her, so she's been through. I I don't. I well, I think it was just Mistborn trilogy so far. I think I, my sister lost Elantris before I could lend that to my mom. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I guess I could hand her Warbreaker or something. I don't know. That's a book. Uh, that Warbreaker can actually be read for free uh, through brandonsanderson.com. He has it posted up on his website. She could download it to a Kindle or similar device. I think she would, but I have a physical copy anyway. Yeah, same. But yeah, for for I don't know why you would be this far into our podcast and not and not have read Sanderson enough to be like, yeah, I need access to a free book in order to get into the series. On the off chance, Warbreaker, BrandonSanderson.com, the whole book is on his website for free. You can read it whenever. But my good thing is Dave's mom is a patron. Thanks, Dave's mom. Uh, so, Tori. Gel pens. Oh, Gel hmm. pens are amazing. So, I color. I don't know if you guys knew that about me, but I color. I'm one of those people who likes coloring books, and not just the kind that are made for grown-up people. Like, I have Hello Kitty coloring books, I'm not ashamed to say. And Cool. 
Yeah, and over the years I have, you know, gone through crayons and colored pencils and most recently I've settled on markers, like markers, I really like the feel of them in my hand, but they're not great for fine detail work. And then somebody suggested gel pens, which I didn't think you use those for coloring, but guys, I got on Amazon and I looked for coloring gel pens, which is really just regular gel pens, but it comes in a pack of like 50 colors and some of them are metallic and some of them are glittery and I mm. love them. I love them. I love the way the ink spreads. I love the feel of the pen in my hand because it's like it's like you're coloring with a pen. And um, I love how it's got the, the little bitty pen head that gets the fine detail in those complicated coloring books that are meant for grown up people. And yeah, it's been a revelation. You guys, I love them. Cool. I'll have to check that out. I like uh, mechanical pencils best as far as coloring goes i don't do a lot of coloring usually i just do line sketches but for coloring i've i like doing outlines and marker and coloring in with colored pencil but maybe i'll have to give this gel pen a try i will say though i don't know if you can beat the sound of markers coloring yes i'm i'm also a big fan of uh watercolor pencils but most coloring books are not the right paper for that hmm all right. So, yeah, gel pens. Gel pens. Uh, my wife has a pen addiction. She keeps, like, this giant gallon Ziploc full of pens. I mean, then... I write a lot, a lot, a lot. Like, I'm very much a, you know, I have to have a notebook and write things down. I, I don't do digital, like, planners or calendars or things. Um, but as far as writing goes, just the plain old big pen. That, that's that's what I've always gone for. And if it's in pencil, it's a mechanical pencil. But coloring, I get all varieties. Uh, all right. So, Dave, you read, uh, I think, everyone here's favorite section of this book. Possibly favorite section of the whole series thus far this week. Mm, really? And better than the poop section? But that's my favorite I guess that's line. that's the best line, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think this one... It, definitely for me, and if it's not Craig and Tori's favorite, it's definitely up there. Hmm. But, like, Interesting. yeah. You read... I don't want to play favorites, <laughs> but this is definitely a favorite. So we've read chapters 55 on through the end of part three of Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. Let's go ahead and start off chapter 55, The Rules of the Game. And I left myself asking me... That left me, what's the game? Hockey ball? Maybe they're discussing the rules of hockey ball in this chapter. Finally, we'll get some insight. Insight Maybe into hockey ball? Good luck. Yeah, rules of the game. You can't hockey under- ball. If, if Light Song doesn't understand it, how how's anyone? Uh, yeah, because he's smart. All right, Kaladin is not, being... Light, Light Song isn't trying to understand it, though. That's true. Uh, he doesn't even try. He, he does better without understanding it, I think. That's also the left penis. <laughs> All right, chapter fifty-five: the rules of the game. Kaladin is being an emo kid. Wit is trying to find mischief. Kaladin lost Wit's flute from that Star Trek episode, The Inner Stormlight. I wouldn't want you to go flying off on me. Being around Wit must be corrupting me. Shalon glomps Wit. Yeniv was killed in a duel by Sadius at the zoo. Amaram will lead the Knights Radiant. All right, so we got a little zoo date. Like, uh, Shalon and Adolin. Adolin? Adolin. It's I can't never definitely remember. one of those. Craig? I say Adolin. 
so it's probably Adolin. <laughs> yep, it's Adolin. All right, so I've been saying it wrong for 200 no, episodes, no, and see, I'm not changing like now. Me. Don't make me think <laughs> <by> myself. <laughs> so Adolin and Shalon are going on a date to the zoo. Uh, who should be driving the carriage, but none other than Mr. Hoydwit himself. And he's looking for mischief. And all he had to do is be wherever he is. Kaladin's there bodyguarding them, of course. (laughs) Kaladin's still a little suspicious of Shallan in the beginning of this chapter. Uh, Sits back in the carriage with him, but, you know. I think Wit might know something about Kaladin's powers. Because, like, he starts teasing him, and he's like, Ah, I should leave you alone. I wouldn't want you to go flying off on me. Like, you know, flying off in a fit of rage. But I think he knows more than he's letting on. Or exactly as much as he's letting on, depending on how much you think he's letting on. Also, we find out that Kaladin lost his Picard's flute. Rip. Yep. (laughs) Well, how is he going to have a date with a piano instructor later? I don't... He ruined it. (laughs) We also get a uh, comedy rule of threes in this chapter, which is the same line repeated three times by three different characters for three different reasons. I uh, wouldn't want you to go flying off on me. It's you. Oh, it's me. Ooh, yeah. Well, what's the line? It's you. It's me. Uh... <laughs> People are very good at identifying me today. <laughs> and then when Shalon meets Wit, she gives him a big old glomp. Uh, I don't think she's actually seen him since that carnival scene that carnival pasty scene uh, as far as we know she is not and i don't remember exactly what it is he did for her to be receiving a glump now other than talking to her dad or something he was nice to her enough to leave an impression years later that'll when, do it when she was having a bad day ah all right so we learned who Yenev was. He was With, killed in a duel by Sadius. Admittedly, being nice to people is not Hoyd's normal MO, so yeah. She got lucky. <laughs> or maybe he wasn't that nice. Maybe he was just burning uh, bronze or whatever. Brass, zinc, tool. It's a so is, is he a full-on Mistborn? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Hmm. So, he, wait. Oh, he probably has access to metals other people don't even know exist because he knows about the different shards well, well maybe we, we i think have found out more from alloy of law which which the people at the time that that this book takes place wouldn't know about yet this book maybe between maybe chris and, and nas know about them but most people don't do chris and nas go into detail about the different god medals or just mention that there is a medal for each shard i don't think they even mention that yeah i don't i don't even think they go into that i think they do and Alloy of Law, Ars Arcanum. I mean, I somehow knew that there were there was a different god medal for each shard. That's because we've uh, talked about it, Theo. I'm pretty sure I've read it. Well, you know there's one for preservation and one for ruin. Yeah. Hmm. And they each have an alloy. So really... Uh, technically, they each had 16 alloys. Wait, so you could combine a god medal with any other metal? You can if you combine can... each god medal with regular alimantic metals to make an so each god metal represents 17 alimantic powers yeah uh maybe okay Um, chapter 56 (laughs) (laughs) of alloy of law no we read that already and i don't think that book even has 56 chapters uh was there more in chapter 55 we didn't go over 
I feel like there was. Oh, yeah, Amaram. So Dalinar shows up at the zoo. He's like, I heard my son was here. And then we see Amaram wearing the emblem of the Knight's Radiant. And we learn that Amaram is is going to be the new leader of the Knight's Radiant. Hit Fury Foray. Kaladin, angry. Shallan, too. Yeah, yeah. That's... Maybe she doesn't recognize. I don't think we get her perspective on this, but she do... we know she doesn't like Amaram because she thinks that he killed her brother. Uh, also, you know, he doesn't act honorably. Sorry, she can go. The protagonists are united in their hatred of Amor. Except for Dalinar. Mm. And Adel- and gotta Adel- get him on board with this Amoran hatred. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe it'll happen in Chapter 56. Oh, why don't you tell us about Chapter 56? All right. Chapter 56, White Spine Uncaged. Amaram probably isn't a surge binder. Moash is relegated to patrol duty. Uh, it's a montage. This is the montage chapter. Alright, whatever. Let's just read everything. Dual terms until surrender. Mother's chain is missing. Who will be Relis's partner? For... For... Sadius's story checks out. Adolin is an idiot. So is Relis. I'm a little disappointed in Shallan, though. And also Yakimov. This fight went from 2v4 to 4v1 to nv1 to nv and minus 1. Dalinar wants to help. A new challenger approaches. Renarin joins the battle. He forgot his plate, but I bet he remembered his mother's chain. Renarin is helping? He's basically a hostage now, lol. Amaram is not as radiant as Dalinar thought. But I know someone who is. A new challenger approaches. Kaladin surges into the battle. <laughs> Someone's been playing Smash. It's funny, I wrote those before I actually started playing Ultimate. But I have put like 20 hours of Ultimate in this week oh my gosh have you tried the rpg mode i love it the one where you walk around the map yeah it's it's pretty good i like it it's a good like targeted way to unlock characters if you know where they are but other than that it's just like yeah. it's, it's good it's good single player content for sure i've unlocked all the things wow. <laughs> and yeah, it, every spirit there's a lot of the things. so for this chapter i feel like we all have a lot for it uh, so why don't we just go through the rundown, and then we'll start digging into things. All right, Amaram probably isn't a Surge Binder. I think that that's Sylphrena talking to Kaladin, and also Moash is relegated to patrol duty. Kaladin can't risk having Moash near the king and kind of, like, has to order him around a little bit and make sure that Moash is still, you know, subordinate. All right, next scene. Dual term... Well, it's not a different scene. I think... We swap between Kaladin and Adolin, I guess. Uh, duel terms until surrender. So we have this duel. Talk- this is the pre-duel uh, ritual. He didn- doesn't have his mother's chain, which, you know, he thought it was in his pocket. Maybe he dropped it or forgot it or something. But he's like, ah, it's just a stupid good luck charm. I can the win with that. The moment you know something's going to go wrong right there. <laughs> I bet he didn't so... even eat chicken. I think he did eat chicken. I'm pretty sure it's specifically mentioned. Well, then how can anything go wrong? He ate chicken. You have to. No. It's the whole process. It's not just the chicken. Oh, well, maybe you he have didn't have, have enough hot sauce for the chicken. Okay. Uh, so we talk. Okay, the duel goes until surrender. Blah blah blah. So we get into the arena, and Adeline's ready to face off against Relis and his partner, and he's wondering who it's gonna be. And then four people show up. And then we cut to the stands where I think it's technically Kaladin perspective, but it's Dalinar and Sadius talking. 
and they're like four people and then Sirius is like yep Adeline said I will fight you and whomever you bring and there was no official number of opponents mentioned so he didn't sign up for a 2v1 he signed up for a what they call a full disadvantage duel which honestly sounds like a better deal than a 2v1 uh, when we actually learn all of the rules. So I went back to chapter 53 and I read it. And uh, the first person to actually mention the number two was actually Shalon when Shalon and Adolin were alone and the judge had already left the room. So, yeah, uh, this is this is on Adolin. He definitely he definitely uh, in, in defense, at least at the very least made it ambiguous. He did. In defense of Shalon and why Shalon didn't catch it. I think she immediately just made the assumption that it was 2v1, maybe because Adeline was making it. And it's just like, in real life, if you make an assumption about something, it can be really hard to get around it. Like, if you're not actively looking for wordplay and and trying to catch all of the things, you can you're like really gloss You're like three bullet points ahead, mister. Yeah, let's, well, let's I- finish out the chapter review, <laughs> and then we'll dig into this. I have things I want to get into, Dave... Definitely has things he wants to get into. I assume that Craig and Tori also have things. Let's 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 get through Dave's part and then we'll then Dude, we'll we dig can in. Do today's episode over just this chapter. We really could. Okay. Adolin is an idiot. So is Relis. Because like at at this point I thought this was gonna be an N V one, right? So like he could literally have brought fifty people to face off against Adolin if he could find that many shard bearers. Like why did he only bring four people? So I thought Relis kind of didn't take as good advantage of the situation as he could have. Four versus and, one is still a huge odds. Right. But then, it, I mean, once we yeah, once we going. get the secret reveal on what the rules really mean, then we'll talk about that as well. All right. So I'm a little disappointed in Shalon. I know she doesn't understand dueling and all the rules and stuff, but like her whole deal is wordplay and finding double meanings and things. Really think that this, like, if her brothers had, like, had said this to like if her bro like one of her brothers had been teasing her and said like yeah I'll take you on and whoever else you want and then she'll be like all right then I'm g-, then she'll like she would immediately be like all right then we're gonna I'm you're gonna fight me and Balai and Galai and Fred and George and Ron like and Percy even Percy yep that's, so, that's what I'm, so I'm I'm disappointed in Shalon. Fair, fairly, though, later on we learn she is disappointed in herself as well, as she should be. So it, it resolves itself in that she's like, oh, yeah, I should have caught that. So I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy in, when we get to Chapter 57 and she admits that she should have seen that coming. All right. Uh, and Yakimov, what a tool. He's supposed to be Adolin's friend. Now, he did kind of, like, warn him, like, well, you're going to I'm going to be a bad friend. But we didn't think he'd be this bad of a friend, right? Well, wouldn't it be better to fight against your friend? It's to surrender, not to death or, or blood or anything. You fight against your friend, he'll make you like I don't. He'll go fairly. He'd, he'd fight fairly, right? Except they totally don't. Okay. Well, okay. I met immediate my immediate reaction. Even so, even if it were like a fair two v two, like they're supposed to be buds. And they had like that moment on the chasm run or whatever. Anyway, I don't know. chapter summary. So- Alright, uh, this, so this fight went from 2 to 1. So they, alright. So we thought it, going into the chapter, we thought it was gonna be 2v1. Then four people show up, like, oh, it's a 4v1. And then we learn about this whole, like, oh, it's a full disadvantage duel. And then, like, 
for like 10 minutes, Dalinar's like, oh, that sucks. It's a 4v1. But then suddenly it's like, oh, it couldn't be a 4v3. Let me in there. Like, why does Dalinar take so long to act after, like, as soon as he realizes this is full disadvantage duel, he should understand that he can jump in. And I'm also confused about the stakes because I thought this was like all of Adolin's family shards going up against like one of Relis's shards. So now like if Dalinar wants to join with Elucar's blade, then like, oh, now the Elucar's blade is also at risk. Like, is that is that how the terms work? That's just like, but maybe like maybe the rules of a full disadvantage duel work a little bit differently than the agreements that Adolin had made with the previous duels. I don't think they actually necessarily discussed, they didn't really discuss stakes in front of the judge either when she was witnessing the, the duel setup. So maybe they, it would just be the standard for a full disadvantage. So it's like, so, whatever. So what the thing is Adolin screwed up. He screwed up in a good way by not, uh, by not making higher stakes. Maybe it's like those illegal car races that you see in Fast and Furious. Where okay. You put, if you show up to a race and bring your Craig. car, then you put it up for stage. All right, let's move on. Dalinar wants get, to help. Can we get through the chapter and then go into <laughs> things? Dalinar wants to help, uh, but, you know, Elokar won't lend him a blade. And Dalinar is like, oh, poo. And then Renarin shows up and he's like, I'll help. Uh, but he forgot his plate. He didn't have time to put his plate on. I was hoping that there would be a point that, like, oh, he was able to find the Mother's Chain and bring it into the duel, but never mentioned again for, for part three. All right, so he shows up. He's got blade only, no plate, and, well, that seems really dangerous. And then they basically have one person hold him hostage. So now it's basically a 3v1 to Adolin, and they're coercing him into not surrendering. Uh, right, they're like, well, if you if you start to surrender, then oops, Renarin's gonna get it. So now it's a four v two. However, Adolin is still allowed one more ally. Amaram's just chilling there, not doing anything. So he's not he's not so radiant. Dalinar's kind of disappointed, and then Kaladin's like, well, I guess it's up to me because I'm the radiant one. And he grabs a spear, and no blade, no plate, gets ready to jump into the battle. And there we have the end of chapter 56. And Kaladin's line as he jumps in. I will protect those who cannot protect themselves. <laughs> no, it's the like the best words of the book. Second best line of the book. You're, you're forgetting when Adolin pooped himself. Oh, come on. Honor is dead, but I'll see what I can do. Chills every time I hear that. It's so good. I'll read that. All right, now... Now let's get into it. Craig, you had many points you attempted to make in the middle of the <laughs> of the recap. Can you I please make them it. now? I, Dave brought up concerns, and I just wanted to address them. As part of his recap? Yeah. But now, now the recap is done. Now we can go into things. Craig, you were very eager. Please go. Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't bug me. Like, Adeline screwed up, as he does. Uh, he just, like, let's fight. You can bring whoever you want, and he basically created... So, the thing you guys have to think about and understand is Sadius has his own motivation. He has his own plan, and he will take advantage of things if possible. He's he's the ultimate politician, and he's evil, quote-unquote evil. Um, so, his motivations are such that if he can find a way to one-up Team Dalinar, he will do so. When Adeline presented this opportunity, he took it as much as possible. In this case... 
creating it into a full disadvantage duel, which is a thing that Adeline left open. Um, and whatever the heck that means. I mean, I feel like this is a case where we need to read the contract. So I think we're missing a, a couple of things here. But just accepting, I think to me, it was just like, yeah, Adolin screwed up. And this is Sadius and co taking advantage of it. Um, as for why Dalinar didn't realize it, I, I don't think D Dalinar's really into dueling too much. Like, that's Adolin's thing. Um, so I, I can forgive Dalinar for not, like, realizing it instantly what that means. Just got to think about it for a moment and like, oh, wait, you can do this instead. Um, didn't he duel, though? Dalinar? Dalinar no. was a... He, he was funny. more of a warmonger. Yeah, he, he's... We'll, we'll get into him later, I think. Um, all right. So there's no good reason for Adolin to have missed this because he is a duelist. He knows these rules back and forth. This is his thing. Shallan should have picked up on something because, as you said, she she does the wordplay thing, but she lacks the base knowledge of dueling rules. So I get why she didn't pick up on it and why she made assumptions. Hold on a sec. Adolin not picking up on it, when he issued, when he created this tool, wasn't it like right after a fight and they were sort of having an argument? Like, it was sort of like a... I need to take advantage of this now to get a duel now. Like he's not fully thinking of the implications. He's hot headed. He's just running into like, I need a duel. This is a duel. Like that's sort of his thought process here right. without realizing, Oh crap. I just accepted a disadvantaged duel. It was the process is I need to make a duel with these people who will not duel me. Oh, here's my opportunity. I will take whatever I can get. Even if I only offer all of the shards for like a shard play or whatever it is that he was, the stakes were. He needed to create a duel and he was just taking advantage of the situation. I'm sure if he had thought about it, he would have realized what happened, but he didn't think about it. He just assumed to be one. Okay, I can handle it. People made assumptions and I think it's okay for our main characters to make assumptions sometimes. Like they can make mistakes. And I think this is the case that we have here. Shallan and Adolin have made a mistake. Like our characters are allowed to make mistakes; they can't always be perfect. I think I think it makes them more real that they screwed up. I appreciate that. Okay, you're done for now. So Adolin should have known better because he knows the rules of dueling. This is this is his specific area of expertise. There was a judge there who asked him if he was sure, and he understood what he was doing, and he said yes. Yeah, that was the really dumb part. Like, Adolin should have known. Now, the thing I want to dig into on this is I feel that this, in spirit, violates one of Sanderson's laws of magic. Uh, specifically, Sanderson's first law. The, the direct quote here is, An author's ability to solve conflict with magic is directly proportional to how well the reader understands said magic. So, I believe a corollary to this would then be that the ability to create problems with magic is also proportional to how well the reader understands said magic. And if you expand magic to just mean rules that Brandon has made up in his book, then I think the rules of dueling apply. And the fact that we, the, the readers, don't know anything about these rules means that this is a little bit of a cop-out on Brandon's end. Okay. I read that when you posted it, I think, in one of our channels. You said this violates his first rule. I disagree completely with that statement. Go on. My main thing I, is I'm, that... I'm feeling it. I'm with Mike initially. Let's that, see Craig's little. 
my thing is that it's okay for authors to have some surprises. Like, yes, especially Brandon's uh, work with the magic system is that you should be able to at least figure out maybe after the fact when it becomes obvious what the rules are, um, you can put it together. That's great. I think in this instance, I, I I mean, I I can't say it was foreshadowed because clearly our main characters made the assumption that you won. The judge said, are you sure? Do you understand what you're putting at stake here? But they maybe if they had another conversation about it afterward where someone else was like, are you sure you understood? Um, Maybe it would have been better in that instance. But I don't think it violates the first rule. I think it's okay for an author to have a surprise here. And I think in this instance, that's what we had. This is sort of like a shock, like, oh, we need to put Adolin in his place now. Because honestly, he was sort of just steamrolling this whole dueling thing and we we need a way okay again this goes back to what i said with sadius and co they have their own plans they are making their own choices and actions so that way they can get an advantage in their uh situation i think it makes sense for them to try to take advantage of the very loose terms that alien put in a duel it makes sense they they're gonna try to take any words that he said twist them into their advantage it's like you said with Shalon, she would do the same thing if she was given this duel with her you brother. You didn't tell me to go to my room immediately. So, like, <laughs> Shalon, obviously, like, if, if given the opportunity, she would have thought her way around it. It's the same thing. Like, Sadius is also very clever. And when this opportunity was handed to him, he's going to take full advantage of it. I don't think it breaks his first law. I think it's just we have a surprise. It's okay for an author to have a surprise. And it's not outside the realm of possibility. Our characters can make mistakes and team villain can certainly take advantage and have their own actions and plan. All right, let me clarify my position for a second. I have absolutely no problem with this going from Adolin having two opponents to four opponents. Like that made sense. Like that was something that an astute reader could have caught and seen coming. And you know, whether or not the clues are there, I mean, like that's fine. I have more of a problem with like, Oh, he's allowed to have help, like, now that he's almost dead? That was that was my problem. Like, the rules are, okay, it's a 4v1, is fine, but now it can be a 4v3, and we're only, we're finding that out, like, two-thirds of the way through the duel. I think that that's the problem. So your I problem had. was the additional rules. Like, they called it a disadvantaged duel, and we, as readers, didn't understand what that meant. Yeah, so, and also, and like, situations popped up. this sounds like a terrible deal for Relis as well. Like, I, if you have a if you have two v one, like why would you why would you want a four v three over a two v one basically? Or maybe he just didn't think anyone would come to Adolin's aid or something. I, I think I, that's more likely. Where yeah. they they looked at who does given the fact that they got Yakimov to join them, it's sort of like who does Adolin have as a friend? They knew Dalinar wouldn't be in. Amaram. Okay, how did that work out? <laughs> okay. Um, hold on, hold on. Hold they on. had Renarin, and they knew Renarin wasn't a fighter. Like they didn't, they didn't think Kaladin would do what he did. They basically assumed it would be Adolin, and maybe Renarin would step forward and not be able to do anything, and they'd get more shards out of it. Well, I think even even when Kaladin got in there, they just immediately assumed he was going to be useless until he started kicking their butts. I think I think the main thing is they had to know Dalinar wouldn't or couldn't join him like that's that's the big thing because if dalinar goes in i think everything's thrown out the window if dalinar goes in that's the that's sadius's plan 
Like that's what all of this is for. Oh, they want he wanted Ed Dalinar to go in. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the point. That's why they didn't let Adolin yield. That's why they weren't trying to oh, kill yeah. Renarin. Right. And so, then Elicar is like Elicar is like be paranoid for once in your life, Uncle. Okay. He's trying to get you in the ring to kill you. So so yeah, Relis not this not being an advantage for Relis, that's besides the point. Relis is working with Sadius. It's whatever Sadius wants, and his ultimate goal was get down our in the ring. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm irritated with Adolin for not working this out. I'm more irritated for Sadius and company assuming that Adolin wouldn't work this out and understand what he signed up for. Because yeah. this whole plan hinges on that. And there's no way for them to have known that. I don't know. I don't think they know Adolin. Again, he's... Adolin's there not was a also a cute redhead in the room, so... Think he's about that. Hot-headed. He's gonna get into stuff. like Cute redhead in the room? He ain't thinking straight. Yeah. But dueling is his life. He knows dueling extremely well. Yeah. How... Characters can make mistakes. Yes, but the entire plan, from the bad guy's point of view, counts on that specific mistake. So... If Adolin figures it out, what does he do? Uh, he gets Renarin he has, to help. He has two other people in Shardplate and Shardblade ready to back him up. And who does he get? Uh, how about Cal General Cal Dalinar. to start? Dalinar, perhaps. Maybe Renarin in Plate would help. I don't know. He he knows people. He doesn't know duelists, but he knows people who can at least keep the pressure off him while he wins a duel. They have plenty of shards at this point. Like, the the other two people with him don't have to be good. They just have to be able to, like, hold off pressure enough for Renard, or for Adolin to win. So it sounds like, Mike, your your main issue and why it breaks the first wall for you is that they, Sadius's group, assumed that Adolin would No, no, no. These are, these, are separate, these are separate thoughts. Okay. Reader knowledge well, breaks the first law. The, the fact that we don't know how this works breaks the first law. A separate, complete issue is that Sadius's whole plan revolves around Adolin not understanding how dueling works. A thing that we this know is, is Mike's not true. favorite chapter, you guys. <laughs> I actually, I definitely agree with your second part. Now, now that you pointed out like the issues with it, ultimately Adolin could have figured it out. Like, like you said, he is a duelist. If he had spent, you know, five minutes thinking about it, maybe he would have realized what it meant. Maybe Sadius didn't quite take advantage of it. But but again, his whole goal was to get Dalinar in the ring, and maybe that was good enough. Like, if Adolin figures it out early, he sticks his dad in a in a plate and blade, and he's in the arena. Like, maybe, um, maybe again, Sadius was okay with that outcome. That's a bad plan. Any plan that has Dalinar in plate and blade <laughs> as your opponent is a bad plan. <laughs> okay. I think well, we can all agree to that. <laughs> I still don't think it breaks the first law for the readers. I think again, I think it's okay for Brandon to have some some secrets. This, so I admit that I I am I am very okay. much I'm stretching the the first law as stated. Like yeah. I'm assuming a corollary to it. I'm you know I'm I'm lumping in the rules of dueling to be effectively a magic system, which I think it is. I think it counts, um, but. That's based on the fact that these are arcane rules about a thing that we don't have any way of learning about outside of what Brandon tells us, and Brandon isn't telling us. I mean, he did the same thing with the first contract all the time, which was a little annoying sometimes. Vin had to read that thing. And she never did. And that was... And we need to read the dueling conventions, apparently. That was at least lampshaded a few times. Like, this was just, meh, 
neener neener you don't know yeah, yeah I don't we think it was definitely need to read that contract contracts while we're at it yeah the, the contract i think is important and i think maybe brandon dropped the ball a little bit with that one but this i think it's just okay for him to have a surprise it makes it you know fun it's it's why we have the scene this scene would be nothing if we surprised Oh sure, I, I think I'm just well, somewhere in between you two here. The the the, the, the other end... complaint that Dave has is how long it took Dalinar to decide to um, do something about it. Um, oh, that's I, I disagree. I disagree because if you look at Dave going back to D and D, how long does the turn take in D and D? It's only a couple of seconds, but six it, seconds. Yeah, it takes forever for the players to get their acts together and decide which spells they're going to cast and and to actually roll their damage and all of that. Yeah, so but they it, should it have has... the player's handbook memorized. Yeah, but Speaking that's, that's free not happening. Story. Come on. <laughs> but there, so think of this whole duel happening in the space of D&D combat. Like, there's a lot of description and a lot of movement and things, you know, they're, they're thinking thoughts and, and stuff is happening, but it's it's going much faster than it takes us to That's read it. That's true. That's a good point. Because, like, it, one minute is ten rounds, right? They could have, and if they're doing full round attacks, most of these guys are probably level six fighters or higher. So they're, in one minute, there could be potentially, like, what 20 attacks on 20, like 10 to 20 attacks on Adel in total. All right. Yeah. When you put it that way, when you explain it in Dungeons and Dragons terms, I, I can kind of understand. I have another way of looking at that that also I think works, uh, which is that Dalinar is only passingly familiar with the rules of dueling. And we're getting into a very edge case thing with the full disadvantage rules. Like it never happens. So he just doesn't know how that works until it's explained to him a little bit, which is about the time he starts reacting, if I'm remembering correctly. So Adolin is the player that has memorized the player's handbook, and Dalinar is the guy who only plays occasionally and is having to flip through the index to find <laughs> the rule in question. There's always, a, there's always, a, uh, it's always an ecclesia of different players at the table, right? And then, right. okay, I have I have one final thing about this. Even though... The bad guy's plan doesn't make sense in universe when when you when you think about it enough, and I feel that it violates Brendan's first law of magic. The scene is so good that it's worth it. So we we're getting here a destination before journey, but I think it's worth it. It's worth it. It's it's such a good scene. It's such a good fight scene. Hmm, that is the roll call, isn't it? Destination before journey. Dang it! I like my destination journey before destiny. No, it it really is a cool fight scene even if we don't understand all of the the rules and the motivations and what the stakes are like just the way every move is described and where all the players are on the board is cool yeah i'm, I'm not arguing against that and it it does it's not a big dumb fight or at least it's not a badly done big dumb fight because like we we can understand what the stakes are like we care about those stakes we care about all the characters. There, there are character motivations happening in this scene, like Kaladin jumping out onto the onto the dueling sand is is like this huge character moment for him because he might be finally admitting publicly that that he's you know he's a surge binder, he's a knight radiant, he's a windrunner. Does, turns does out, anyone else turns out he's able to in the superhero pose. The the three point stance. Yep, when he jumps in. Yeah, gotta, he absolutely gotta. did that. It's it's terrible on your knees, but it doesn't matter. It's 
I mean, he has Stormlight to heal that, so why not? So, all right. Does anyone have anything else on this chapter, or shall we move on to the actual fight? Dude, how no, about I'm those good. words, though? I will protect those whose honor is dead. I feel like that's also a little hint, because Dalinar's been saying the same thing. He saw the visions, he knows, and Kaladin knows, like, what? Except I don't think he meant it in that way. I I think he did mean it in that way. I think that was specifically a call-out to what Dalinar had been saying this whole time, that honor is dead. Like, all right, well, if God isn't going to help, I guess I will. <laughs> so, chapter Eternity the next ended one. ended ten years ago when honor died, but... I'll see if I can draw the chasm line and burn Pewter Schmidt. <laughs> There's so many spoilers <laughs> in that statement. Chapter 57. But, but paper is so heavy, D- Dave. Well, I didn't know. I have the ebook. So you don't have to burn Pewter to move All the right. ebook around? I don't need Pewter to carry my book around because I have a hard copy. Hardback cover's not made of paper. Well, I guess it is. Just uh, Chapter 57. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, to kill the wind, Shallan is disappointed in herself. At a girl. Kaladin sideways kicks a guy. Elit yields. Helmet gauntlet. Orange yields. Frame perfect blade clap. Screaming, which I'm guessing was probably pattern. Relis goes AFK. I'm confused about the terms of the wager. Right of challenge. Kaladin gets arrested. Whoopsie doodle. So they win. And all is going according to plan. And Adolin is... Ah, I, want, I got the King's Boon. I'm going to have right of challenge. I challenge Sadius to a duel right here, right now. And then Kaladin speaks up. He's like, I also right of challenge. And I challenge uh, Amaram, the murderous guy that I want to duel right here, right now. And then Elokar is like, arrest that man. And Kaladin gets arrested. The end of chapter 57. <laughs> oh, man. After the high of this chapter and the last one, the ending, though. Yeah, I mean, Kaladin done oopsie-doodled. Not really any way to get around that. All right, well, why don't you tell us about the chapter? He just did. Uh, yeah, that there's not it. much more to go into. The, the chapter is the fight. And those I like the how highlights. you described it as a frame-perfect <laughs> yeah, so for those of you listeners who don't know uh we we speed run some games and that's a thing where something's frame perfect that means you have a single frame which by the way is like 120th of a second or, when, or less well, depending on the game 160th for, yeah, super nintendo games. for super nintendo um 160th of a second to press the button to do the thing frame perfect that's what aloan did no kaladin or, did that or kaladin i'm sorry yeah, to catch the shard blade, which uh, I'm pretty sure his instructor told him was something stupid. Yep, to try. he totally did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we went into that. It's it's the least stupid, stupid thing you can do in the stupid predicament you got yourself in. Stupid. Sounds about right. And apparently Adeline won all of the shards and plates of all of the four fighters. So, okay. Yeah, okay, he's got them now. I didn't understand the wages going in, but I also didn't understand the uh, number of combatants going in either. So what do I know? I mean, it's it's Calvin Ball at this point, and we we, <laughs> we dug into that as much as I think we need to. Just yeah, Brandon said so. We don't need to understand. I guess let's just move on. All right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, seven. So Kaladin had... gets arrested for calling Amaram a murderer and challenging him to a duel. 
and kind of stealing the spotlight away from Adel and challenging Sadius, which was kind of the whole point of this whole thing. Yep, this this was the point. Get a boon, go after Sadius. But then Kaladin's like, wait, I can get revenge on Amaran. Kaladin's like, can I have a boon too? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so a couple of weird things did happen in the fight. Dave, would you like to expound on those and maybe give us some guesses as to what those meant? Uh, there's some random screaming that apparently Relis hears and it causes him to run off. But Kaladin also hears it. And it was last chapter or earlier in this chapter where Shallan sends Pattern down into the ring to go make some sort of distraction. So I'm guessing that's that was Pattern making the screaming noise. And perhaps Kaladin can hear it because he's a Knight Radiant, or not a Knight Radiant, but he's a Radiant, or a Lost Radiant, they call him. Uh, and then whoever Pattern chooses to manifest himself to, in this case, Relis can also hear it. What do you think of that guess? I think that that is a guess. Okay. Uh, maybe the Frame Perfect Blade Clap had something to do with being a Radiant as well. I don't know. Uh, there's also this part where... Kaladin lashes himself horizontally, like multiple times over, and jump kicks a guy and cracks his, like, hits his shard plate so hard that it breaks at the shoulders or something. And Kaladin also breaks his legs doing that. And since he ran out of Stormlight, like, as he hit him, it also, or right before, or like right after he hit him or whatever, he ran out of Stormlight, so gravity returned to normal for him. And then he sucked in some more Stormlight and healed his broken legs. Uh, what else happens here? Yeah, let's see. Yeah, I don't think anything else supernatural really happens that I can remember. Um, I remember Kaladin grabbing a, a shard helmet. Oh, yeah, that's right. I wrote that down, the helmet gauntlet. So he's like, oh, this helmet, <laughs> like, it form fits to wherever you put it, right? So he puts a helmet on his hand and it, like, more or less becomes a gauntlet, not, like a five-fingered gauntlet or anything, but enough that he can use it as, like, a shield for the shard blades. Uh, that was interesting. Or no, the part of it was, like, didn't he say to Elliot, like, give me your helmet? And Elliot was like, okay, or something like that. Give me your helmet. No, I'll stab you in the face. Okay. <laughs> something like that. And then the okay. helmet sucked all the stormlight out of, out of Kaladin. Oh, to, in order to reform, he wasn't attuned to that plate. Set. He wasn't attuned to that set of plate, though. Plate doesn't attune. Oh, plate, really? Plate just okay. Is. Okay. Yeah, that's that makes sense. It takes so long to put on because you're actually physically putting on armor as opposed to like a sword, which is summoned. Mm -hmm. Like if you were just summoning a plate onto yourself in ten heartbeats or whatever, then there wouldn't be this whole like three round, three full round actions to get your full plate on. Yep. Or whatever it is. So the the helmet basically treated Kaladin like a big old gemstone. And I was like, oh, I have cracks. I should heal. Hey, there's some stormlight. Num num, give me some. Oh. That's a perfect summary, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so next chapter. All right, chapter 58. Never again. Kaladin ruined everything. Hon, where did we leave those assassins? Kaladin recaged. The end of part three. So this is a Kaladin <laughs> Where chapter. Where do we leave those assassins? We break off to Trollolo Sadius for, for a second, but mainly Kaladin chapter. He goes and he's like, what did I do? <laughs> I had the right of succession. Or I had the right. 
I had the king's boon. You're like, no, you didn't, stupid. Adolin had the king's boon. You just like threw the whole plan out the window. So Sadius has agreed to the duel that uh, Adolin proposed, but without the pressure of the crowd, he's able to set it uh, on a future date one year from today. Well, rip. And then uh, Kaladin goes to jail. And Dalinar is like, you're going to go to jail and be happy like a good soldier. Uh, and Kaladin's like, but Amaram killed my friends. And Dalinar did his due diligence. He looked into it. I think 17 witnesses, both light-eyed and dark-eyed, attested to Amaram killing the Shardbearer. And according to reports, it happened uh, several months after Kaladin went into slavery. So, yeah, I mean, you can't really fault Dalinar for taking Kaladin's claim seriously and then being possibly lied to. I say possibly because now I'm kind of wondering, maybe, like, maybe Kaladin did misremember stuff. I don't know. Well, Just because we get it in a pasty chapter from Kaladin's perspective doesn't make that historical fact. Can, can we get one book where Kaladin isn't thrown in jail, though? We've only had two books so far. Right? And he's and, back in jail again. And he's two for two, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see when we get to Oathbringer, I guess. And then if he gets thrown in jail on Oathbringer, we'll see when we get to Rhythm of Rar. Rhythm of War. Yeah, so, I mean, Kaladin, Kaladin pretty stooped here. Uh, he he knew that they were trying to corner Sadius, like, and he just, he just kind of let his emotions and his lust for revenge get the best of him and wasn't seeing the bigger picture here. Yep. Kaladin done stooped. And then we do get uh we do get a break from the scene to go to Sadius and he's like he's like, I lie. Do we leave those assassins in Dalinar's camp or something? I don't remember. I read it like a day ago. Give me a break. Honey, where are my assassins? Why <laughs> you need to know. So Kaladin's in jail. I hope we get some more Eshonai chapters in the interludes coming up. We probably will. So, all right. Uh, any anything we didn't cover in these chapters that you would like to go over, Dave? Uh, nah, we covered it pretty thoroughly, and it's been going pretty long. Agreed. Uh, anybody got anything for Dave before we de Dave ourselves? Well, next next episode we have our interludes. Um, so how you feeling, Dave? So far, we're like at the halfway point of the book, I think. Well, I think I guess two thirds, two thirds point, three fifths. I guess I want more like mechanics, world building stuff. We started to get a little bit of that when uh, Shalon and Pattern were talking. So I want to get back to a little bit more of that or maybe more into the nature of the listeners, which I'm sure we'll hit on the interludes here. Okay. Uh, as far as, I mean, the character interaction and uh, the fight scenes in action have been spot on. I've been enjoying it so far. Definitely better than... Um, than the first book, than Way of Kings. However, without Way of Kings, I wouldn't have appreciated Words of Radiance as much as I'm appreciating it. So, like, I kind of understand how the, the full narrative is is working well as a whole. Well, it's still a slow broil, but we do get some fun action and intense scenes like we just had. In the you know what broil means? No. <laughs> okay. It has been a slow build, but I think... It makes sense when this is supposed to be a ten book series. I would Just like look to up Royal later on. I would like okay, to gonna, no, argue that right point now. once we're in spoiler territory, Craig. But shall we head there now? Yes, I think so. Okay. Are we bringing yeah. Dave with us? 
Uh, no, we're Dave's gonna go away before we go into spoiler territory. All right, bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Spoiler time. All right. So since we're on it, uh, the the whole this is a slow building series. I disagree. Uh, mostly because I base my epic fantasy pacing on Wheel of Time, where <laughs> we were told, yeah, there's going to be a last battle. It's coming. It's coming eventually. Someday it'll be it's here, and it's like the coming. last it's book yeah. of a 14, 15 if you count the prequel, book series. The last book. So To be fair, when it got here, it was like the entire book, and sure. not just a, a chapter. Okay, but Stormlight is, all right, there's an Everstorm. There's Oh my gosh, you guys, stuff actually happens in each book. Yeah, there's an Everstorm, okay. there's a Last Desolation, there's a Night of Sorrows. We've seen two of those three things, and I don't let, know what the third clarify. one is. It's a slow build in terms of magic world building. Like, we don't really get to sink our teeth into the magic system until probably Rhythm of War, maybe a little bit in Oathbringer. Uh, I'd actually argue against Rhythm of War because that one felt like Brandon like very specifically not telling us a lot of stuff that should have been available, like a lot of knowledge that should have been available to us. Well, we had a lot. Navani was up to a lot. That's with, right. With the magic she, she had some cool lore stuff. But what we didn't get was like any other orders. Like we barely got any Will Shaper stuff, despite that extent, like supposed to be the the focus of this the book is, is the will book. shaper stuff well that's what i mean it's a slow build in terms of the magic but there's a lot happening in every single book that it's exciting to read and reread i mean i would argue that before rhythm of war we didn't really have a will shaper but now we do because she was still coming into her power and learning all the things right but we didn't get ideal. anywhere near enough of will shaper stuff in my opinion and we didn't get more light weaving until Oathbringer, even though this is supposed to be Words of Radiance, supposed to be the light weaver book. Yeah. So it's sort of like you introduce the character in their flashback book, and then we get to know more about, like, we're learning more about Windrunners in this book, despite Kaladin's book being Way of King. So it's sort of like we were introduced to Venli being a will shaper in Rhythm of War. So therefore, in uh kow we're gonna get actual will shaper usage and know more about their order the king of ways king of ways uh all right so the the screaming that was that was a dead's friend yep because that's what happens when someone with a bond to a live's friend touches a dead's friend somehow for some reason so, so this is our hint this is this is the hint that there's something up with shard blades i mean we already knew they were weird because they could disappear and be summoned but this is supposed to be the clue that, hey, maybe they were spread. But Dave, Dave thinks it was just pattern. And we're going to let him think that because it's funny. I think uh, if he thinks about it more, he'll realize it wasn't pattern. But I don't, I don't think he's going to put anything together. But I think this is important for us to understand. What uh, was so pattern doing on in that fight? If they reveal that pattern is a shard blade pops up, it's like, oh, that makes sense. What was pattern doing in that fight? Uh, there was a section where he was distracting. I think it was Aranev was the one that was attacking Renarin. 
and Pattern was over there, like, getting in his face and making him see things. Yeah. Okay, are we sure that was Pattern and not um, Renarin's friend? Because I thought well, it was, like... Pattern. Well, I, I thought it was described as, like, a, a sparkly light. Could It could be Giles. Um, but we know Pattern is, is distracting someone because Shallan sends him in. We know he's he's distracting one of the fighters. Although I thought Shallan directed him towards the guy attacking Renarin. I, I have to reread it. I don't remember. And then didn't Renarin also come into contact with that guy's Shardblade and make him run away? Or was that... Yeah, so Renarin starts having his quote-unquote fit. Uh, oh, one of his... right. Right, right, right. Because... And, and, and it's, it's not, he's not having a fit. It's because he heard the screaming of the because Shardblade. Because he's holding his own Shardblade that he has bonded. Yes. And it, it screams the whole time because he also has a Spren bonded. Right. Right. Okay. So, and that, that was one of the other things. So, Renarin, this is the clue that Renarin is in the process of becoming a Knight Radiant. Um, it's not his blood sickness. I don't and know that we course... should call him a Knight Radiant. I think he's something uh, else. Void Radiant? I don't know. I think we're going to get terminology for it later, but I, I feel like he's going to have different terminology. Unmadiant? Ooh, that's good. I like that. Like, what is that? Mabiant? What? Unmadiant. As in oh, the un unmade. Okay, that makes sense. And Fractal Doggo confirms what you guys said. Pattern was distracting the guy who was fighting Renarin. Fractal Doggo also threatened earlier in the episode to change his name to Dave's mom. <laughs> Which I didn't uh, comment on at the time, but I thought it was pretty funny, and I felt like we should we should have that in the episode. Well, something else that we talked about in the spoiler section. Um, it's a shame we're not going to get it, but this is right we're right beyond the point where... I start really liking uh, Adolin's character because he stays in that jail cell with Kaladin. He didn't have to do that. And perfumes. He didn't, to, he didn't have to be jailed. He chose to be jailed. He's like, Kaladin might have screwed up, but he's still my guy. This is the moment when Adolin trusts Kaladin completely and they're friends. They are best friends. Done. And also, Adolin is better at the... Uh... At the paranoia thing than Dalinar ever will be, because as we find out later, he never trusted Amaram. Right. So he he is on board the Kaladin train. We got Kaladin and Adolin, best friends for life. Life is good. They need each other. Man, so good. Oh, I'll talk about it. You know, in two episodes, I just had to bring it up. Or is it next episode? Uh, oh, okay. No, not next episode. Next episode is just the interludes. Just interludes where we meet yeah. the best character in the book that isn't the Lopin. We gotta have a lift, and this is why we had to put our cast list until after this interlude because we we need the cast lift. We do. It's very important. I, I still have no idea who I'm gonna go with. I will pick a cartoon character. I think I may just pick a voice actor and assume that she's animated. <laughs> I mean, that could be a fair assumption with the way she is. I may just have to do that because I don't know anyone of an appropriate age. So so there's one thing I wanted to discuss in spoilers, if I may. No. So the last epigraph, like Mike's going to stop me. The last ep uh, the last chapter's epigraph talks about Malishi. Yep. I want to read this. This is a big one. So Malishi retired to his tent and resolved to destroy the Voidbringers upon the next day. But that night did present a different stratagem related to the unique abilities of the Bondsmiths. And being hurried, he could make no specific account of his process. It was related to the very nature of the heralds and their divine duties, an attribute the bondsmiths alone could address. So this so, is the end of the false desolation. Yeah. And the thing that 
Malishi did was trap Ba Edo Mishram in a perfect gemstone, yep. which we still haven't gotten resolution on that modern day, right. and also broke the connection and identity of the uh, singers. The singer. yep. Not the listeners. The listeners had already broken apart and, be- and become their own separate thing at this point. But the singers... Their, their identity was different, but the singer's identity was still attached to Bay Edo somehow. I think it would be the connection. And then the Both. identity also breaking was just sort of a side effect. That's true. Maybe it is more connection. They broke and then... Them. Well, regardless. This, theoretically, would have would have come about because Odium wasn't behind the connection, uh, but Ishar might have been. You think Ishar might have been the connection to Bay Edo Rishram and the singers? I think so. He, he might have done it. I mean, that's that's what the that one theory that we still really like says, right? Yep, yep. yep. Um, and then, yeah, were it a normal desolation and Odium were behind it, um, it wouldn't have been an issue because they would have maintained their connection to Odium and wouldn't have lost everything because a Spren got got caught, got pokeballed. Right. So this this is important because this is the stuff that we hear about in Rhythm of War. It starts with this epigraph right here. This, like you said, this is the false desolation. This is the resolution. This also does something to the Tower Sprim, and it leads to the Recreant. There's still so much we don't know, but I want to point this epigraph out because of how important it is for everything that's been happening in the book. And the false desolation was about 2,000 years before modern-day Roshar, where the last desolation, the last, last desolation... Uh, the one where the heralds quit uh, was like 4,500 years. Yes. This is after the last desolation. We had the false desolation. So, all right. Anything Town else? Is still busy being tortured at this at that point. But hey. Malishi is our bondsmith. We know he's messing with connection because that's the unique ability of the bondsmith. We, we see Ishar doing that in Rhythm of War. So we know that's sort of the thing that they can play around and do. So we know he's messing with connection in some way. It might not be just breaking the connection with Bay Edo Mishram. It might be creating a, a more complete connection. So when Bay Edo Mishram is tra- trapped, the singers lose everything. I don't know. It's, it's I weak. mean, we're going to need to learn more, but I don't think breaking an entire species was intention in, was, was an intention of, you know, the bondsmith really here. True. Right. Well, it said he wanted to destroy the Voidbringers. And then and then it said he used a different... Like, he changed his plan in the middle of the night. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So. All right. Do we have anything else spoilery? Or I'm good with ending here. I feel like we, we spent plenty of time on these chapters. Yeah, I think I'm good. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, uh, that's an episode. Bye, everybody. Good Bye. night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast, or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.